Again, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. So great to be with you. My name is Matt Party. I'm one of the pastors here at H2O. And if you've been here the last few weeks, you know we're going through a series in the book of Proverbs about practical wisdom on how to live and how to walk with God. And this has been a great series just talking about uh, these necessary things that God wants us to know about realities of our life, things that are very relevant, even though they were written thousands and thousands of years ago. And coming off of this year and just kind of where we're at and kind of just seeing the, the things going on in people's lives, I wanted to talk about vision today. I wanted to talk about where we're going, where I'm going, where you're going, where we're going in our families and where we're going in our church. I know after a difficult year, sometimes there's this reset button that people are pushing like, okay, yeah, where is my life going? There's this deep thinking going on. I've noticed in, in ways that, um, you know, people are like changing jobs. They're changing cities. Unfortunately, there's even people questioning, maybe I should change my spouse. Maybe I should not be in this marriage anymore. There's all kinds of just turmoil and change going on in people's lives. They've, they've come to us. They're talking to us about all these things that are going on. And you kind of just sense Wow, people are just needing to kind of go back to just reevaluate where their lives are going and the foundations of life. So I'm very excited to be talking about this today from the book of Proverbs about vision and where are we going and having those deep moments to reflect with God about what life is all about and where we're going. Recently, I was golfing with this friend of mine and uh, he took me to a golf course up in Michigan that I have never been to before. If you know anything about golf, you know that you get on these tee boxes that are marked by these little uh, white pegs or something like that, and you're hitting the ball in a certain direction trying to go toward the flag. If you've ever been on a golf course that you've never been on before, you might know you're often standing on a tee box and you're looking to see where is the fairway? Where am I actually hitting? Sometimes you can even see two or three different flags on the green of where you're trying to hit, and you might say, man, am I going toward that red flag right there? And they're like, no, 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 this is a dogleg right, and our blue flag is over there, and you can't actually see it right now. And you're like, okay, uh, I'm just kind of hitting in this direction, hitting in faith. I've actually been at a place before on the tee box in a new place, and you know the fairway's over there, and I'm lined up like this, getting ready to hit in the wrong direction, and the guys are chuckling, and they're like, I'm like, what? And they're like, our hole isn't that way, it's this way, okay? Kind of an embarrassing moment with, your, with a bunch of other guys, all right? It can be very confusing on a golf course. And I noticed when we were playing this nine with this guy that brought me to this golf course, he shanked one of his shots, this major slice that didn't just go past the next hole, the next fairway. It went to the third fairway over, okay? Way out of bounds. But I'm sharing a cart with this guy. You know, our bags are in the back. He's driving, so I'm, I'm the guest. I get in the cart, and he's just shooting across a couple fairways. I'm like, we should probably drop and, like, stay where we're at. He's like, no, no, I'm playing this. And we get a couple fairways over, and he's lined up, and I have no idea where we are. All I see is people and flags, and I was like, this is kind of dangerous. He's just going to fire this ball back toward the fairway. He hit this beautiful shot. We drove back over to ours, and his ball is right next to the green. I was like, wow, that was impressive, okay? And he said, you know, I play this golf course a lot. I knew right where I was. Matter of fact, I've been at that spot before, okay, which was pretty funny. 
He knew exactly where he was going. He had a vision of the course that I didn't have. And in golf and in life, if you don't know where you're going, it can actually be kind of dangerous. You could fire a ball at someone if you don't know the direction that you're going. This proverb we're going to reflect on today is such an important question and such an important thing for us to understand. Proverbs 29, 18, and here's how it goes. When there is no vision, the people get out of control. But whoever obeys instruction is happy. There's lots of different translations of this, Bible, of this verse that I want to share with you today. Whenever you're studying a verse, it's great to pull out different translations to really get an understanding of what the theologians were trying to uh, communicate through this translation from Hebrew into English. And so you pull out these different um, translations and commentaries to really get to the heart of what this is saying. And I'll explain that in a little bit here and, and, and draw that out with you. But this verse is telling us when we don't have a vision for where we're going, when we're not thoughtfully thinking out where we're going in the trajectory of our lives, it is not good. We get out of control. Another version says people perish. Things don't go well. But we have to recenter ourselves. We have to get our vision correct because when we focus on God's instruction, we obey God's instruction, that leads to a blessed life, a happy life, a joyful life centered on God's word. So here's the big idea that we want you to take away today. Here it is. God wants to give you his vision for your life, for your family, and for your church. We're going to talk about those three things today. God wants to speak into your life. He wants to speak into your family, especially honoring our fathers today on Father's Day. And he also wants to talk to our church. He wants to lead our church in the direction that he wants. Let me share this verse again, as I mentioned, in a different translation, because I want you to kind of get the heart of where we're going with this today. Proverbs 29, 18, again, in a different version, says this, where there is no vision... The people perish, but whoever obeys the law is joyful. And this first part here that talks about this vision, this word vision, here's some different words that this is translated in. Some of them NIV, some CEV, New King James, NLT, NASB. I just looked at a whole bunch of these different translations to see when they say where there is no vision, what are they actually saying? And here's some of those results. Where there's no revelation, a revelation from God. An understanding of the word is a different uh, translation. No prophetic vision or no divine guidance. Does that give you a little clearer vision of the word vision and what the Bible is trying to translate here and trying to communicate to us today is we have to have an idea of God's word and where God is directing us. This is not a vision that comes from within us not based on our emotions, not based on our world, not based on our circumstances. This is the timeless truth of God's word that speaks into our lives and gives us a vision. Sometimes that's a general vision that's for all of us, and sometimes that's a specific vision, specifically God communicating something to you individually. Why is this so important? Why do we need prophetic vision? Why do we need divine guidance from God? Because here's what it says, the second part. The people perish, 
Another translation say, the people cast off restraint. The people throw off all restraint. The people run wild. They do whatever they want to do. Again, you get to start seeing the heart of what's going on here is we cannot all be running in our own direction. We cannot all be just running wild, following the passions and the cravings and the opinions and the feelings that we happen to feel at that day. But like an army for God, like a community of God, he is leading us in a common place so that we don't ruin our lives, that we don't perish, that we don't hurt ourselves spiritually, physically, relationally. And here's the outcome. Here's the contrast, the last part in the next slide. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. Other translations say, but happy is the one who follows his law. Happy is the one who keeps the law. But blessed is the one who obeys wisdom's instruction which really is the heart of this series. If you've been coming, we're hoping you're getting a heart and an excitement for the book of Proverbs, that it is just filled with this awesome instruction and wisdom and guidance and these beautiful things that God wants to do to bless your life individually, as a family, as a church, in all aspects of life. This is the abundant life that he wants to give us. So let's go into these individually. I mentioned these three parts, and let's look at first part. Number one, have God's vision for your life. Is this something that you think about? Having God's vision for your life, that he's in the driver's seat, that he's speaking to you through his word and through his spirit to guide you and to help you, okay? We don't want to be like the rest of the world that just goes through life making our own decisions based on what we think, but we're sensitive to God's word. We're in God's word. We're sensitive to his spirit so that he's giving us the vision for our lives. Another proverb, uh, Proverbs chapter four, verses six and seven says this, do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. I love the passion behind this verse. Though it costs you everything, this wisdom from God is so valuable. It's so precious. It's something that we should crave. It's something that we should want. It's so important. We've been mentioning this each week, but I want to mention it again. There's this Hebrew word for wisdom that's, that's uh, all through these Proverbs. And I can't pronounce this word very good. It's going to come up here on the screen, this Hebrew word. I'm no Hebrew scholar. I'm still mastering the English language right now. And it's kind of one of those deep Jewish throat sounds that you make, like this kachma type of thing. Uh, I'm sure that's not how you pronounce it. But it isn't, this Hebrew word does not just reflect this intellectual wisdom. It's not just this book smart type of thing. Like I have a degree or I read this book, therefore I have wisdom. It is much more than that. The actual Hebrew word is actually used in other places as a skill, as a a precision, as like an architect or an artist making a statue or using his hands to skillfully craft something beautifully. It's not just the wisdom of the mind, but it's the actual application in your life that comes to fruition, that comes to some kind of result. It's an applied knowledge that God wants us to have. 
Ephesians 5 speaks more into this, and it says this when applying wisdom to our life. Therefore, be careful how you walk. Man, is that something that people say about us? Man, Matt Pardee is careful about how he walks. You and I, we're careful about how we walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil, so do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And I just want to encourage you to reflect on that this week. What is the vision for your life? Are you being careful with your life? There's often times where we'll go out and we'll just get extended time with the Lord to just let him speak to us. And I encourage you to do that this week. Is this something that's a part of your life? You know, do you go out and read the word and do you pray? Do you maybe not just get a shorter time with the Lord of like 15 or 30 minutes, but maybe you spend some longer time this week, a few hours, half a day, and say, God, I want to reflect deeply on the trajectory of my life. Even if you have this maybe prideful sense of like, my life's pretty good and I know where I'm going. Have you allowed God to speak into that? Would you give him some space in your life? You know, you look at a passage like Galatians 5. You, you get some time with the Lord and you turn to Galatians 5 and it talks about the fruits of the flesh and it talks about the fruits of the spirit. And I will read through those lists, and I encourage you to do this. Read through those lists, the fruits of the flesh. There's 15 different things mentioned in Galatians 5 that we should avoid as wise people. And then when it talks about the fruits of the Spirit, it lists these nine things that we should pursue. These nine things that should be reflected through a Spirit-filled life. And I'll be honest with you. It's really convicting sometimes to go and get time away with the Lord and let him convict me. Let him tweak the trajectory of my life. Look at that fruits of the flesh and say, man, here's some things that I'm struggling with where my life doesn't reflect Christ. Or maybe when it's talking about love, joy, peace, patience, those kinds of things, man, I'm struggling with being patient. I'm struggling with really being loving. Maybe there's some anger in your life. Maybe there's some immorality in your life. Maybe some of the things that you're looking at on the screen and that you're spending time with, God wants to speak into those things and give you a vision for your life and where those things are taking you and where God wants to take you. These are precious things and a precious time to be able to reevaluate where are we going. Are you going in the right direction? You know, this is so important, not only just for ourselves, but me speaking as a, a husband, as a dad, this next point, have God's vision for your family. This is so important for all of us to do. It's so important for fathers to do because we're leading the trajectory of our families. You know, I'm not going to make a strong theological point about what I'm about to say, but I want to share this with you. Over the decades of ministry, it is very clear to me that many of the young people that come to our church and that we counsel have a view of God that is very similar to their earthly dad. Let me say that again. Many young people that come to us, maybe many of you sitting there, your image of God your view of God, your conception of God is very similar to your earthly dad. The earthly father that we experience through our life, especially through these formative years, we project that onto God. Maybe in great ways, maybe in very unhealthy ways. 
I'm so thankful for my dad. I miss him all the time on this Father's Day. I reflect back on my dad who died about 16 years ago. There were so many great things that he provided in my life. So many great examples. And I always felt safe and provided for from my father. And I always appreciated that. There were other weaknesses in my dad's life that I projected onto God. And it took me years to figure out, and God speaking to me into my heart and saying, those things you saw in your earthly dad are not who I am. Maybe some of you need to wrestle with that today. Is your image of your earthly father the exact same as, as your heavenly father? Then we need some time in the word. We need some time alone with our heavenly father for him to reconstruct who he is, his character qualities and his goodness and his holiness and his perfection and his passion for you and how much he loves you and how he is everything you need. And he will reassemble all of that. And it's such an important uh, role that we have as fathers. Mothers, of course, equally important, but I was, again, not making a theological statement, but just some observation that I have seen play out in people's lives. You know, as I'm trying to be that, that right heavenly father image for my own children, I try to tell them regularly that I will fall short and I do fall short. And they say, yeah, dad, we know. You don't have to tell us. We, we got that. And, uh, but it's good for me to keep telling them that, you know, as they get older, I want them to see my strengths and follow those things where I'm really surrendered to God. But I want them to see my weaknesses. I don't want them to follow in those footsteps. I want to point them to Jesus, who's the good, uh, the good father. And you're always trying to, you know, raise your children and, and love them and, and train them in the way that they should go. Pastor Wiles shared this last week, and I thought it was worthy to say again in Proverbs 29, 17, because we have such an important responsibility as parents. It says this, discipline your children and they will give you peace. They will bring you the delights you desire. You know, these Proverbs are not promises, but they are, for the most part, this is kind of how it goes. This is the wisdom of the Proverbs. Doesn't mean it's always going to be that way. There's always some exceptions, but the Proverbs are telling us, for the most part, if we discipline our children, if we train them, if we encourage them on the right trajectory, they're going to give us peace. They will bring about the delights that we desire, the, the outcomes that we want. Proverbs 22.6 says, Train your children up in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. We have this responsibility to train our kids. For the children that are sitting here today, your parents have a responsibility to show you what's right. You should have open ears to your parents. You should tell them how much you love them and you appreciate them and show them respect because as fathers, as parents, we have this wisdom of this experience that we can give to them and we can spare them from a lot of the hurts and the pains that we have gone through in life. You know, we celebrated Father's Day yesterday amongst some other things because I'm traveling today and leaving and we had some great family time last night 
and I got some amazing cards from Max and Bella and Dominic, my three kids, and we just had a really great time just kind of reflecting on family last night and reading these cards were so amazing. Their words were so encouraging to me. Dominic, Bella, Max, thank you for being wonderful children. There was not any money in those cards, but maybe next year, that's okay. Their words were uh, priceless to me, and I really appreciate that. And uh, as they're getting older, I have three teenagers uh, right now. As they get older, they're also appreciating the weight of what it means to be a father. And some of their cards really reflected that. And I was so encouraged by that because it is a heavy responsibility. Uh, Speaking of heavy responsibility, I don't know if you saw this in the news feed. A couple weeks ago, there was a, a polygamist in India that passed away. And he was thought to be the one with the most children right now. I have a picture of his family, Ziona Chana. And this man, this polygamist, had 39 wives and 89 children. And uh, I was thinking about the heavy burden that we all carry. And I saw this and I thought, okay, now that's a whole nother level of a heavy burden. Uh, What a very unhealthy situation. But this guy died a couple years ago, a couple weeks ago, I'm sorry. And in the news feed, surprisingly, it said he died of hypertension. I was like, yeah, I think that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Um, this guy uh, with this gigantic family, I can't even imagine the problems. I was thinking some of the caption would, would say like, wife angry because husband forgets their anniversary, you know, uh, children disappointed with their inheritance, um, you know, who knows what kind of things were going on in that family. I know when I'm going to call my children, I'll go through all the kids' names. Sometimes I'll throw the pet name in there, just trying to get my kids' names right. So I can't remember, I can't imagine what this guy uh, was going through um, with the heavy burden of leadership. But I feel a lot better that I don't have 89 children. So there that is. Moving on to the third one, have God's vision for your church. Man, it was amazing here to just celebrate with all of you a couple week, uh, couple weeks ago um, just how God is bringing to fruition the dreams and the vision that God has given us over the years. Um, these church plants, the leadership development, the baptisms and the salvations that we've gotten to experience, even through the year of COVID, was really faith building, I hope, for all of us. In the midst of this incredible valley that we were going through and the challenges, God was still moving in great ways. And I just want to, again, thank you guys for that. This whole year, you guys have been amazing. You know, uh, what we're trying to do and just loving college students and loving the city people and the way that we're coming together and accomplishing goals together is really quite amazing. We're so thankful that God has been giving us this vision and continuing to do this vision. And, you know, we look up at those flags and we celebrate what he's doing in the H2O network. But I just want to reflect again that for the last 35 years, this church was planted 35 years ago. There have been many other church plants that have come from this church that aren't even named H2O. Matter of fact, only three years ago, we sent one to Madison, which we were very excited about. And I was just reflecting on that, that we have tried our uh, best to live open-handedly with our church, with our people, with the gifts that God has given us, and he has really blessed us. 
Again, when I think of this verse where there's no vision, the people perish, but whoever obeys the law is joyful. And when I think of our church, I know that coming off of this year, many people in the world, many people in our church are like, okay, where are we going now with this church? People are starting to come back. People are disconnected because they haven't been in relationship. People in our small groups have not met as much because of all that's going on. And now here we are in the summer and there's vacations and there's travel and there's all these things going on. We know this is happening in your lives and we are sensitive to it. And you, we know that you're thinking, where are we going now? What is the vision of this church? Because we don't want to just be in limbo. We don't want the church to perish but whoever obeys the law is joyful. And I want to tell you what we've been doing for 35 years is what we're going to continue to do. And when I want to just reflect on a few of those things, first of all, our four H2O core values are biblical faithfulness, authentic community, gospel grit, and empowering everyone. Those are so important to us. They've been important to us for decades, and they're going to continue to be important to us. We have a, a love of God's word, and we want to be faithful to what the Bible says, not what the world pushes in on it, but the timeless truths of the scripture. We're going to be true to what the Bible teaches us. Authentic community. We have always had a high percentage of our church in small groups. It used to be even higher. Of course, we've gone through a very difficult time, and now we're in the summer and we're in transition, but we say it all the time. The backbone of our church is Jesus and our small groups. We really want you in a small group because we want you to experience authentic community. Gospel grit is the third one, is we want to be sharing the gospel. It isn't just about these four walls, but we know the world needs the gospel. We want you engaged in sharing your faith with other people. We have that expectation and that prayer for every one of you that you would share the gospel with someone, you would be an influencer for Christ, and you would lead people to Jesus. That is our hope as a church. And fourthly, empowering everyone. We want you to use your gifts in this church, and we need your help. We need your help with production and media and small groups and mission trips and music and with the kids downstairs. In every area of, of this ministry, we're trying to replace ourselves. You know, you go to a church and you think, well, why, is there, why isn't there just one pastor preaching? Or maybe just two. Why do these guys have three, four, five guys preaching? Because we hope you're getting the point of a core value of ours is we are raising up men and women to continue to plant churches. So we're all trying to work our way out of a job so that we can continue to do the Great Commission. This logo represents lots of different things. And I won't take a long time to go through it. But the teardrop, in case you never noticed, that is a teardrop representing H2O. In John chapter 4, we get our name, the living water. And there's this amazing interaction between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. And just simply what we take from that passage, there's a lot in there, is that Jesus is inviting this sinful woman to go do great things for him. And so we have this high invitation, high challenge value that we put out to everyone. And that's what this John 4 and this teardrop represent. The teardrop and the arrows also represent upward, inward, and outward, which I just mentioned in our core values is number one. The one upward is we want you to experience God. 
We want you to get time alone with Jesus and fall in love with Jesus and be in his word. One of them's pointing inward is we want you in community. We want to be authentic. We want to share our weaknesses with each other. We want to talk about what's going on in our lives and pray for each other and be authentic. And then one of the other arrows is pointing outside the four walls that we want to continue to reach people in our community. Through that outward peace, we want you to be involved with global connections. Ryan Cozy, who's in our church here, is working with the internationals in BGSU, and you've done a lot for them, and we want to continue to do that. Lacey and Hannah, who are in our church here, are working with Mosaic, an inner city ministry that's helping young people learn how to read and giving them food and clothing, and we're partnering with them, and you're going to hear more about that. Our mission trips, our prayer walks, and our influence with the, uh, the pro-life movement. The nest that's out there that Tiffany has, is here and, and done a beautiful job of meeting the needs of those that have chosen life. And she's helping them with child care with these great, cute little kids out there and just loving on them and loving on uh, their parents. Speaking of the nest and speaking of golf, which I opened up with, we're doing a golf scramble here in July 24th to raise money for the nest. And so we hope that you would participate in our golf scramble. And another point of just meeting and greeting and getting to know our church better and our community. Um, Pastor Wiles is going to host a big meet and greet for us in July, where again, we can all get back together and say hi and learn some names. We're going to be talking about that too. So to, to the final slide here is Matthew 28, the Great Commission. It's been our past, it's been our present, and it's where our future is going. We want to continue to share the gospel with people make disciples, and go and continue to teach them to do what we're doing. We're so thankful that you're a part of that. And uh, this whole teaching was kind of just like these foundational things about what we need in our lives, in our family, in our church. And so as we get ready to worship here, I asked the band to sing this song about us coming back to the heart of worship. It's kind of an old song, and we recognize that. But I thought it would be really appropriate, uh, again, just with all the turmoil going on in this world, is to know we want to be centered on this foundation of experiencing Jesus, finding and following Jesus together. So we hope that you will uh, uh, jump into these different areas of life and allow God to challenge you in those ways. So let's pray for that as they come up.